This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. And of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Subscribe as soon as you get the opportunity to do so. A lot of great content always coming out. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app after the show, of course, on iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker. And we'll be back on again tonight on the Unhinged Radio Network unhingedsn.airtime.pro from 6 to 7.30. Make sure you check that out as well. We had a big one yesterday, Seattle and the Rams. From an overall scoring standpoint, it, it disappointed from that standpoint. I mean, it was the 54 and a half was the over-under. Hopefully you bet the under. I didn't I didn't go either way on that one. I said if I was going to pick somebody to cover, it would have been the Rams at minus two and a half. That actually wound up working out. There's a couple of things to take away from that game. I mean, look, Fantasy-wise, of course, there's always a lot of things to break down. A lot of two good teams, good offenses, a lot of fantasy implications for week five of riding on the line on Thursday night. There's also some things we got to talk about with these teams in general. Let's start with the Rams side of the ball, though. Let's just get it kicked out underway with the Rams. Stafford, look, he didn't have multiple touchdowns. We didn't have the touchdown, one interception, but 365 yards, giving him that Nice floor you need out of a top 10 quarterback, out of a QB1 that he just continues to be. Man, does he look like a natural fit for this offense. And that's coming off of what looked like he banged up his finger a little bit and seemed to affect his accuracy at times, especially in the second half. There was a few instances where you know Cooper Cup maybe would have had a long touchdown. Uh, Robert Woods wasn't hitting in stride necessarily. There was a couple of throws that just looked like maybe he was a little bit uncomfortable at that moment. 
but still getting the job done, still looking great in this offense. He continues to be QB1 moving forward. Let's talk about the running back situation. So Darrell Henderson gets a little bit banged up in this game. Sony Michelle comes in. So if you just look at the box score, you'll see that Darrell Henderson had 17 carries and Sony Michelle's 11. And if you're the Henderson owner and you weren't able to actually watch this game, you're starting to say to yourself, oh, is this starting to turn into a committee? No, it's not. 44 snaps for Henderson, 23 snaps for Sony Michelle. Most of it coming off of two drives in which Henderson kind of just stepped out because he got a little bit nicked up in the game. When they're both healthy throughout this game, and Henderson came back and finished the game strong, by the way. He actually gets, picks up the touchdown, had a good performance overall throughout the night. But when he was when they're both healthy, it was the Darrell Henderson show. So this is still a workhorse back situation. The problem is, which has always been the issue and concern when it comes to Darrell Henderson, is can you hold up if you continue to get a workhorse type of role? Now, he, I think he escaped this game without it being any concerns heading into week six. I don't think we're going to hear about Henderson possibly missing week six or anything like that. Again, he finished his game strong, 82 yards on the ground, 4.8 yards a carry. He had one catch for one target, 17 yards. The running backs weren't very involved in the pass game. The pass game was mostly all over the middle, down the field in this one. They pretty much controlled it from start to finish. I'm not worried about the Raw Henderson losing timeshare work to Sony Michelle. Having said that, Sony Michelle is a very, very valuable handcuff if you are a Darrell Henderson owner right now. Because one, from the eye test, he looks okay. Now, efficiency-wise, he wasn't great. 3.4 yards a carry last night off of 11 carries, 37 yards. Does come away with a touchdown. But physically, he looks okay to me. Where if something happens to Henderson, he goes down. We kind of saw in the Tampa Bay game. He becomes the de facto workhorse in that role. He is the one-for-one handcuff. So he's very valuable in that sense, especially to the Darrell Henderson owner. If you are the Henderson owner and you have an opportunity to get a hold of Sony Michelle, you definitely need to do so. Because in some ways, I do feel like Henderson might be a bit of a ticking time clock as far as his health is concerned. It's just he's had a long history of not being able to hold up with a whole lot of workload. But when he's out there, he's so good. He's so efficient. This offense functions so much better with him on the field that it seems like Sean McVay's like, look, I'm going to roll the dice and just keep going with the workhorse back because that's how our offense functions the best. So I'm not worried about this turning into a timeshare, a 60-40 committee. I'm not concerned about that at all between a Henderson and a Sony Michelle when you actually break down the utilization and when they're utilized on the field and why Michelle got to play as much as he did in this game. I'm not worried about that. The squeaky wheel got the grease for Los Angeles. Robert Woods. Everyone's just talking about, like, what is going on with Robert Woods? They're not looking for him. They're not game planning for him to get open. He scores a touchdown last week, throws the ball, clearly clearly frustrated, clearly feels like he wasn't getting fed enough. Sean McVay comes out this week, talks about how they, he needs to do a better job of getting Robert Woods involved in the game plan. Well, it's clear they came out with one mindset in this game on offense. Get Robert Woods the ball. Instead of Cooper Cup running all the over-the-middle routes, all the drag routes, the crosses that seem to get these wide receivers open for the Rams on a very consistent basis, Cooper Cup in particular over the last you know, four weeks leading up to this point, that all went to Robert Woods in this game. 14 targets, 12 receptions, 150 yards. The only thing he didn't do is score. Tremendous throughout the game. And we're just getting pelted over and over and over again. I talked about this leading into this game. Look, Robert Woods is a better receiver than what we had been seeing. He's on a good offense with a good quarterback. It'll swing the other way at some point. 
Now, the question, if you're the Robert Woods owner, you're asking, well, you ask yourself two questions actually today. You're asking yourself, will this continue and or should I sell high? Look, I'm always interested in selling high on a player if I'm going to be able to get someone vastly better. I don't know if there's too many players that are definitely vastly better. Now, I'm not going to suddenly be uber confident after one game that Robert Woods is always going to be consistently ensured that he'll be involved in the game plan. But I do think it's going to happen more times than not. I do think that this is a situation where they should be a 1A, 1B as far as their workload is concerned, him and Cooper Cup, that is. But that's logically speaking. It doesn't always work out that way. Here's what I'll say. Robert Woods, even though he was having mediocre stat line through the first four weeks, was still seeing a healthy amount of targets. His, the least amount of targets he saw in those first four weeks was six targets. He was only up to eight, nine in a couple of games. So he was never completely dismissed from the offense. The problem was you had Van Jefferson getting mixed in to some degree, and Cooper Cup was going so ballistic that it left Robert Woods in the dust to some degree. And because he's not a deep ball threat, he is that guy that you kind of have to hit consistently from you know between 10 and 20 yards over and over and over again throughout the game for him to you know stack up his stat line. And he's not a big touchdown guy, normally speaking, although he does have two on the year so far. That's where you kind of get mixed in with these mediocre stat lines coming in for Robert Woods. Do I think he drops 150 yards every single week? No, obviously not. However, you look at this game with Cooper Cup. He had 14 targets. Cup had 10. That's more what I expect to see out of these two guys. I expect to see both of them hovering around the double-digit target mark with Van Jefferson and Deshaun Jackson getting sprinkled in. Maybe part of it had to do with Van Jefferson last night. He only had one catch, 16 yards, and four targets, but he had a really bad drop that should have been a touchdown on a slant pattern. It was a really bad drop. He was open, hit both of his hands, flew right out. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but he played significantly less last night than he normally does. I'm not sure if that was the equivalent of the wide receiver getting put into the doghouse. It might have been. Better days are, I'm not, I shouldn't say better days are ahead for Robert Woods, but more consistent days like this are ahead for Robert Woods. And if you, if you need any more information as to why he was definitely the go-to guy, I mean, he played the most snaps, 66, Cup had 59. Most routes run, 37, Cup had 35. And then, of course, he had the 14 targets to Cup's 10. Do you sell high on a guy? I don't know if you're going to be able to sell high on Robert Woods for what you'd want to sell him high for after one game. It's going to depend if there's somebody who props up to be me by low on. I talked yesterday that Calvin Ridley, a by low target, Michael Thomas, a by low target. But here's the thing. You know, Cal- Calvin Ridley has kind of been putting up similar stat lines to Robert Woods. Now, here's where I'd be more confident in the Calvin Ridley, and I've been ranking him ahead pretty much all year as such. The targets have never gone away. And what you liked out of last week was that Matt Ryan finally started throwing the ball down the field a little bit more, opening things up, Ridley actually getting up there in air yards finally. So Ridley's a guy that maybe I would consider that if you can do a one-for-one one, you know, going into next week. Ridley, of course, having the cloud of personal reasons why he's not going to London to play against the Jets this week. So you have to wonder if that's going to have something to do with it as well. All things to kind of consider there, but it's going to depend on what you can get him for because my thing is this. You have to value him as a wide receiver too, a solid wide receiver too moving forward because games like this 
where he's at least just as involved, if not more involved than Cooper Cup, I think are more likely to happen moving forward. Think about it this way. They made a point to get involved and they won the game in a tough matchup against a divisional rival. So it worked. It helped them win. It's not something they're going to go away from. That's always, that's always a big key point when guys get fed the ball. Did it help us win? It did. So that's why I don't think it's going to disappear and go away. On the flip side of that, Cooper Cup owners. There's no reason you should have been disappointed with this game. Did Cup score? No. Did he have an opportunity to score? Had Matthew Stafford actually hit him in stride on the one play in the second half? Yeah. But in a game in which it was clear cut they wanted to get Robert Woods involved, he still walks away, again, with the double-digit targets, seven receptions, 92 yards. If that's your floor performance for Cooper Cup, because they wanted to make sure Robert Woods got involved that game, I think you're walking away feeling pretty okay. I think you're walking away feeling like Cooper Cup, as long as he's healthy, will be a wide receiver one every single week with a high floor to high ceiling ratio. So in a weird way, while this is one of his you know less stellar performances because he's been so crazy this entire year so, thus far, this actually gives me more confidence about Cup moving forward because now you had to ask yourself, when Robert Woods does get involved, how is that going to affect Cup? Does he go having a Robert Woods type of stat line? And we're, we're back to, is it Cup's game? Is it Woods' game? This showed you it could be both. This showed you the both and that both could be productive. In a game in which it was only 26 to 17. We're not talking about shootout here. So in a weird way, I actually feel more confident about Cup on a consistent basis moving forward as a result of yesterday's game. Tyler Higby did get a little bit banged up yesterday. He did get the touchdown at least before he did. We'll have to see, you know, you get, you get the long extended week off at least to get the 10 days off. We'll see next week how he's doing because he's a guy who's going to consistently be in that top 12 conversation for me, given the offense. Luckily, because I, I believe I have him in the top 12 this week, luckily he did get the touchdown, so he's not going to be a total bust for you, but he only had the two targets, two receptions, 14 yards before getting a little bit banged up. So he's something we're going to have to watch moving forward. On the Seattle side of the ball. Now, of course, the, the big story out of Seattle is the Russell Wilson injury. Sounds like they're, call, they're going to call it, as Lee says of this morning, a sprained finger of some sort, sprained finger around the joint, which makes it hard, of course, to flex your finger, be able to grip a ball, things of that nature. We're going to have to watch it. Now, he kept trying to stretch it out, find ways to get back in that game. It's just the finger. So it really is just a matter of, the swelling going down, and then this time next week, again, you get the 10 days off, this time next week, are you able to hold on to a football without you know, an excruciating amount of pain? Can you throw it? Can you grip it? That's going to be the question. So we'll have to watch that throughout the practice report. This is one of those little injuries that aren't that significant, but because of where it is and it's on his throwing hand, could linger and to the point where maybe he has to miss a week. We're going to have to watch that. We'll keep you up to date with the player news notifications on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. Make sure you're following us along and have those notification alerts up because we're constantly throwing out you know, news updates with fantasy analysis with, for you guys. Immediate reactions. We'll have to see. We'll have to see what Wilson's able to do. I tend to think he's going to find a way to be able to go next week. He continues to disappoint from a fantasy standpoint. Now, he wasn't inside my top 10 anyway, but he was still inside my top 12. So I still had him as a QB1. I still have him somebody we're starting. It's the injury factor, you know, that's 
that's something you can't really predict, especially with Russell Wilson, who's always been so healthy. Just finishes the game with 152 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. That's the bad news there. It might it might wind up losing you the week. It's really crappy to lose a week on a Thursday night because your quarterback didn't necessarily perform the way you needed him to. But again, injuries happen, and you got to be able to roll with these things sometimes. We'll see exactly what happens going into next week. The other note that we got to talk about Seattle is before we get into the other players. Someone's got to slap Pete Carroll upside his head. You hired Shane Waldron to be the offensive coordinator who got you out of the Daryl Bevel, out of the Brian Schottenheimer way of thinking, which was run the ball, be slow temple, you know, never allow Russell Wilson to really cook, time of possession, win the field position battle. You hired Waldron, who comes from the Rams system, comes from the Sean McVay system, where it's up-tempo. You're throwing the ball a lot more. You're more explosive on offense. That's what you hired that. That's who you hired. So what did you hire him? What did you bring him in to be if you are going to sit back and have Pete Carroll's fingerprints all over this offense where they went right back to being slow tempo, one of the slowest in the league, still playing ball control, still trying to win the field position battle, not concerned about actually scoring points, throwing the ball around, and using your weapons. By the way, you probably have the best wide receiver duo or at least one of the best wide receiver duos in the entire NFL and you're not going up tempo. It's killing it's killing fantasy owners. It, it really it really is. It's killing fantasy owners. It's especially killing Russell Wilson. The game in which they trailed. And I know Wilson got got hurt and Geno Smith had to come in, but still, in a game in which they trailed, they still only threw the ball 33 times. And they trailed the entire second half, and they still only threw the ball 33 times. Rams threw 37. They ran the ball 25 times. Rams ran the ball 29. And yet they were trailing, and they didn't have any spark, any up-tempo until the end of the third quarter when Geno Smith takes over and goes on a 98-yard drive into the fourth quarter and scores a touchdown. They finally went up-tempo in that drive, and their offense looked more alive, and that's with Geno Smith at the helm, than it had the entire game when it looked completely lethargic and content. Something there has to change. You have too many good weapons. Your defense is not good enough to play this field position game. This isn't five years ago with the Legion of Boom, and you could just win with your defense with minimal amount from your offense. It's not what this team is built to be. This team is built for Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf. Utilize it as such. And it's killing fantasy owners. Because now you sit here like, okay, if Metcalf doesn't score, if Lockett doesn't catch a bomb, who knows when we get out of them from a fantasy standpoint because there might not be enough volume to establish a sizable enough floor. Now, DK Metcalf comes away. He has two touchdowns in this game, but he still only had five targets. Five receptions for 98 yards. He was open all the time. Ramsey couldn't cover him. He gets to the end zone twice, so he still gets to do a really nice fantasy day. But a game in which they were trailing, and DK Metcalf was dominating. He still only gets five targets. That's pathetic. That shouldn't happen. Especially when your target solidation is all centered around Metcalf and Lockett to begin with. Only centered around two players. There's no Chris Carson in this game. So you're going to lean more on the passing game, you would think. 
Now Lockett has 10 targets. You like that. Five catches, 57 yards, mediocre stat line. It should have been better. There were two bombs that he should have had. One, the corner decided to flat out just tackle the wide receiver. And, you know, I'm like you guys. I play fantasy. I'm in so many leagues. I looked at one of my buddies last night that came over and watched the game. And I was like, why don't corners do that when I'm playing against the wide receiver who's wide open for that bomb? Because <laughs> he did. He didn't. He was like, nope, I'm not going to let you catch this ball. I'm just going to tackle you and just take the penalty. <laughs> Plain and simple. That's what he did. So he should have had that one. And he actually still almost caught that ball on that pass play, by the way, too. Then there was another bomb where he had the defender beat, had the entire defense beat, and just got overthrown by an extra foot. He catches that. He goes into the end zone for a big 60-plus yarder on that one, too. So he could have had a huge day in this game. And I know now you're looking at it as like, well, from a stat line, from a box score standpoint, he had the two big games week one and week two, and now he's had three mediocre to crappy games the last three weeks. And everybody's, you know, sounding the alarm because they're all sounding the alarm from what Tyler Lockett, you know, killed teams at the end of the second half last year. I keep trying to remind people it wasn't just Lockett. It was the entire Seattle offense. That's what's going on now. The entire Seattle offense, because they're playing this ridiculous, you know, ancient caveman-like tempo-paced offense when you have all these weapons, that's what's coming back to hurt us now. Better days are ahead for Lockett. The big thing is he's 100% healthy. We'll see if Russell Wilson gets out there, but something's going to have to change for Seattle. And maybe that's, maybe the pace is one of them. Now, like I said, Chris Carson was out. We're going to have to watch this Carson thing because we're talking about it's a chronic long-term neck injury. The idea is that he's still going to be able to play this season. It's not something that's, he's not going to be ruled out for the year with it or anything like that, but it is something that they're going to have to manage all season long. So all of a sudden, Alex Collins, he's not just you know valuable as a handcuff. He's a little bit more than that. He's a guy I think he's going to continue to be mixed in even when Chris Carson's on the field. If you're a Chris Carson owner, I'm panicked. I am hitting this button. Because you're stuck in a catch-22 situation. You can't trade him. No one's going to trade anything of value for Chris Carson right now. You can't not play him if he is going to be out there on the field because he is on an offense where they should be able to move the ball and he should have ample opportunities to score. He does score touchdowns. So you're not going to be able to just keep him on the bench if he is going to play that particular week. But even if he does play, I think you are going to have to deal with Alex Collins, who was fine last night. He looks fine, has looked fine since he's been getting sprinkled back into the rotation here and be in some sort of a committee, maybe 60-40. They still get DJ Dallas and Travis uh, Homer involved on third down and longs and two-minute drill. That's what happened in this game. So if you're a Chris Carson owner, you are you are the definition of being stuck in limbo in fantasy football because there's really no right move for you to make other than right now you just have to wait and see until we're able to get more information about this neck injury and what it's going to mean for the season. In the meantime, if you were able to pick up Alex Collins today, he is a very, very valuable asset. I don't think this is going to be the only game in which Chris Carson is going to get ruled out because of this thing and he gets to be the lead back. And he was... The workhorse back in this one. 46 snaps to DJ Jallis is 14. Travis Homer's eight. 15 carries. The other two combined for five total between the both of them. So when it comes to the first and second down and when they get to the goal line work, it's going to be the Alex Collins show. He had two targets. So did DJ Jallis and then Travis Homer had one. Now this is where we have to break down the passing, you know, 
capabilities. Routes run, Collins at 22. Compare that to seven for Dallas. Compare that to five for Travis Homer. So when you look at that, just, you know, without, again, without watching the game, you just look at those numbers. You're saying to yourself, wow, Alex Collins really was a workhorse back. They're even getting ample opportunity in the passing game. And he was. 22 routes run, especially when you compare that to seven for Dallas and five for Homer. That's a, that's a, a comforting sign for a guy you're trying to figure out, are you a workhorse back? Here's the other caveat to that, though. Dallas and Homer were more involved on third and longs and the two-minute drill. And if you've been listening to this show for any length of time on MD Nation, you know I've talked about this with Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. The issue is, is that even though Gibson is eating in on snaps on third and mediums and second and mediums and getting a little bit more routes run in those situations, the areas, the situations of the game in which the running backs are more likely to get the ball dumped down to them if it's not a flat-out you know, schematically called screen pass are on third and long to two-minute drill. So if your running back is not in on those situations, even if he has more routes run for the game than his backup, he's still not necessarily the pass-catching back. He's not in on the opportunities in which they would be more likely to get the ball thrown their way. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. So I don't know how, I think Alex Collins is always going to have a bit of a cap on him, even when there's no Chris Carson, as far as what his involvement in the passing game will be. So that's kind of more my point there. Now, I, I think DJ Dallas and Travis Homer are just a dime a dozen guys. There's nothing special about them, but it's clearly seemed to be they will be involved in those situations. So just kind of keep that in mind when you're trying to, you know, put your lineup together and wrap out what your expectations are out of your players even when Chris Carson's out. However, more times than not, if, you know, let's say Carson's out, Alex Collins is in, the workload we saw here today will make him a low-end RB2, if not a mid-level RB2, most weeks and most matchups. So you like that? If you're able to pick him up, you have a valuable asset for the rest of the year as we watch this Chris Carson thing intensely. That pretty much kicks it up for the game there itself. You know what to expect. We'll see Gerald ever back soon, but look, this offense is consolidated around certain areas, and until they go more up-tempo, that's all it's going to be from a fantasy standpoint. So let's, let's get into the news. I always like to do this on the Friday show. Let's get you guys updated on the news from the games that we talked about in yesterday's show. Now, make sure you go back and listen to that on your favorite pod streaming app. Wherever you, I mean, we're pretty much available anywhere, so wherever you like to go. 
go back, listen to that, because we previewed all the early Sunday slate games and talk about the injuries then. But let me get you updated on the injuries from those games now. Breaking news. All right, so we talked about Calvin Ridley being, you know, he's not going to make the game, personal issue. That news came out pretty much right after yesterday's show. Uh, I had him inside of my top eight wide receivers. I had him as a wide receiver one. It was a great matchup. He's getting the targets. Again, we talked about last week starting to show some life, throwing the ball down the field and not just being a dink and dunk passing attack offense out of Matt Ryan and Arthur Smith. So things are starting to trend in the right direction for Calvin Ridley. We don't know what the personal issue is. I, I, I also have to mention, we don't necessarily know it's just it's going to be just for one absence. I think there's something going on, obviously. I think it's also the factor of they're going to London. I think it's why he winds up missing this game. I do kind of wonder if they weren't going to London, if he still want, would want up missing today. So I, as of now, without knowing all the details, I, as of now, am not too concerned about this being more than, you know, just this week for Calvin Ridley. I think we'll see him back come week six, week six. So not to worry about that, but you're not going to have him this week in his absence. The only, I mean, Russell Gage is out too. So the only receiver really left standing that was part of the starting three to begin with was Alamid Zacchaeus. Now I still wouldn't trust him as anything more than a boomer bust wide receiver four, wide receiver five, but he is somebody of interest, especially in DFS, which by the way, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but we're, we're starting the new schedule here at MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's going to start tonight. We're actually going to be on from 9 to 10 p.m. tonight on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow and on the YouTube channel with the MD's DFS contest and lock bets for the NFL for week five with Chris Dauhauer with Chaz Florida. That'll be on tonight, by the way. So make sure you go ahead and check that out on Friday night instead of Saturday nights. And that's how it's going to be from here on out for the rest of the season. All right. So getting back to it. So he's somebody who's. Definitely interesting from a DFS standpoint because you're playing against the Jets and you know, look, whether other receivers get involved or not, he is the only starting receiver left. He should see a, a target share move up. And he is a guy who has big play capabilities. He is built like an X-Factor receiver. He could be a threat in the red zone. Obviously, the guy who, got, who gets helped out the most by this is Kyle Pitts because he'll probably be the number one targeted pass catcher. Him and Cordell Patterson will probably be the main pieces of the offense against the Jets with no Calvin Ridley out there. So they get a little bit of a boost, at least as far as their floors go, to ceiling ratios because the extra target share they should see. And Zacchaeus is a sleeper flex play, sleeper DFS play heading into this matchup against the New York Jets. So that's, that's the first piece of news. That, that, had, a lot, that had, a, had a lot you had to break down in that one. Uh, next up, what we have for you guys. Oh, we got some news coming out now, actually. Uh, Joe Mixon, who's been pretty much the offense quarter, came out and said he's not going to play uh, this week. Again, is not practicing. TJ Hawkinson has a chance to play on Sunday, but it looks like he is legitimately going to be a game-time decision. Uh, and also, Arthur Smith asked about the Calvin Ridley situation. Uh, is Is saying that there is... There's no timeline for his return as of right now, but also saying they're just keeping things private. This is similar to what happened with Will Fuller, the Dolphins, if you guys remember, for a few weeks ago. Uh, he had a personal issue, wound up missing the game, came back, practiced in full, was good to go the following week. 
And they were saying the same thing at that time was that he didn't have a timetable at first either. This is something coaches do just to keep all the media, all the pressure off the player, keep everything private as possible. We're not going to really find out if this is actually going to be a more than one week thing until after the weekend. I don't think it will be. Uh, these players need to play, especially Calvin Ridley in his situation. He's trying to get his uh, contract up from last week. T. Higgins is practicing today. He's expected to go. That's his third day in a row of practice. Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper are practicing again today. They are both expected to come back on Sunday against the New York Giants as well. So those are some of the news breaks that are coming in as we speak on the show. I'm telling you, we, we keep you up to date no matter what. Whether it's on the show or your follows on social media, we'll keep you up to date heading into your weeks. Uh, Aaron Jones, limited in practice. He is expected to play. There's nothing really concerning there. He's been limited the last two weeks. They keep saying it's an ankle issue. You're always going to kind of manage things with Aaron Jones anyway. No concerns there. We talked about him last week, how this is not turning into a committee. A.J. Dillon took over because they had the game well in hand. Pretty much all of his carries came uh, in that end of third quarter to fourth quarter range. So you're not worried about that either. Dalvin Cook is somebody to watch today. And we haven't gotten the report yet on him for Friday. But he didn't practice Wednesday. And while he was seen in pads and he was seen stretching, and at first he was getting reported as if he was going to practice at least in a limited capacity and do individual drills, the official report came out both days, Wednesday and Thursday, he did not actually practice. Now, Dalvin Cook has maintained that he expects not only to play Sunday, but he expects to get his full workload. You hope so against the Detroit Lions, of course. If not, it would be Alexander Madison, but you're hoping you can get Cook back for a nice juicy matchup here. We're going to have to see. If he doesn't practice again today, that would be a step back from last week. And while it didn't seem like he had a setback or a re-aggravation the injury because he was able to come back and finish the fourth quarter in last week's game, he was, remember, he did practice in limited capacity all of last week. So at this point, he has not been able to practice this week as much as he did last week heading to the game where he wound up being limited on Sunday anyway. So we really need to watch and see if he's going to be out there on Friday at all. Uh, Diane Brown not practicing for the Washington football team here either. Teddy Bridgewater did come back and practice in a limited capacity on Thursday. So wasn't a good sign. He wasn't able to get that out there on Wednesday. And I did say to you guys in yesterday's show, if he can't get out there on Thursday, it's pretty much a guarantee he won't play. So the fact that he was able to practice in a limited capacity yesterday does open the door back up that maybe Bridgewater will be able to go on Sunday. Still going to be a very questionable situation. While it doesn't matter between Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater for fantasy football purposes, it matters a heck of a lot when you're considering what your expectations for Cortland Sutton and Noah Fant ought to be before you head into that matchup. Tim Patrick as well. You want Bridgewater to play for those guys. You want the better quarterback to play for more offense for sure. So we'll have to watch that and he'll be a question. If you can practice again today, he'll be on the right track. Chase Claypool expect to be back. He's been practicing in limited capacity all week. Will Fuller got sent to the IR. So Devontae Parker, Jalen Waddell, Mike Isicki for the time being will have a target consolidation at least headed their way. Jemai Bernard practicing limited capacity. We still got to see what's going on with Bernard. Other than that one game, he really hasn't been involved as a third down pass catching back or he hasn't, that's not his, hasn't been his specialized role yet other than that one week. And he winds up picking up the injury. Leonard Fournette's still a solid RB two for me, regardless of whether Bernard plays this week or not, but something to watch because we know that if he's out, then we know for sure Fournette's getting all the targets because it won't be Ronald Jones. If he's in there, then something we're going to have to watch, see how that split works itself out, see if Bernard works himself into a specialized role in this offense or not when given the opportunity. Gibson's been practicing limited capacity. He practiced limited capacity all last week. He's expected to go. He's had a shin, shin issue. McCaffrey 
practice limited Wednesday, practice limited again yesterday. It sounds as each day has gone by and he hasn't suffered a setback, it sounds more and more excitement out of Matt Roll and McCaffrey himself. They seem to think he's going to have a legitimate shot to play this week. So I would, as of right now, if I was a McCaffrey owner, I would be playing with the idea that I am going to have CMC this week. So it would be great to see him be able to be back after one week. Of course, the big concern everybody's going to have is, you know, are you rushing him back like you did with the calf injury last year? You wind up having to miss the rest of the year because you got re-aggravated. Remember, when this injury first happened, it was a grade one hamstring, less than a grade one hamstring uh, strain, they said. So it wasn't a full pull, wasn't a tear or anything like that. It was a strain and it was less than a grade one. So they, this was a minor injury from the get-go. He missed one week so far. They know their offense, their team goes by McCaffrey. I don't think they're going to make the same mistake they did last year and rush him out there if he actually cannot go. So I would actually take it from a positive standpoint of if they're confident that he's trending in the right direction and he could play on Sunday, then he, I don't think he'd be any more liable to re-aggravate it than anybody else would with their hamstrings out there on Sunday either. Because I think they've learned, McCaffrey and that coach staff learned their lesson from a season ago. At least I have to imagine they did. So I wouldn't be overly concerned about it. So you like this for Christian McCaffrey. A.J. Brown practiced in full yesterday. So it looks like we are going to have A.J. Brown against Jacksonville. So you love the matchup there. Brown looking to get back on track for the season. So you like the motivation there. And they also add the variable of Julio Jones continues not to practice. I don't think Julio Jones is going to play. So you're going to have A.J. Brown on an island against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, because he's coming back off the hamstring injury, I can't quite put him in my top 12 out of fear of re-aggravation, out of fear of him not actually being 100%. But he is a solid wide receiver, two with wide receiver one upside, especially in this matchup, even in his first game back, coming off the hamstring injury. All right, that's all the news I have for you from the games that we talked about in yesterday's show. Again, go back on your favorite posturing app or go to our YouTube channel, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details and replay and watch or and or listen to our preview to the analysis that Chris and I gave you guys for all the early slate window games. What we're going to do now is hit a quick break, get a word from our sponsor, come back on the other side, and we're going to start talking about the late Sunday afternoon games for week five. So everybody stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost contests and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. 
Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code MDFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Welcome back into the show, MD Nation. You are listening and are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. You are subscribing, hopefully, to our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and subscribing to us on your favorite pod streaming app, iTunes, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and checking us out tonight on the Unhinged Radio Network on unhingedsn.airtime.pro from 6 to 7.30. And checking us out again later tonight. We're on a lot. I'm going to be living in the studio tonight. 9 to 10 o'clock, we're doing the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Chris will be joining. Uh, Chaz will be joining. We'll go over our drafting lineup cards. We'll talk about our lock bets using the easy sports betting data, which you should check out on BillyFantasySports.com. It's only $16.50. You'll have eight different ways to bet on every single game, every single week, along with, you know, while it's still going on, the CFL as well. There's a lot of ways for you guys to win money and a great easy cheat sheet for you. So check that out. That's at bellyupfantasysports.com. You can go to the easy sports betting data tab. Usually, and a lot of you guys might be aware of this, but usually speaking, these shows are all live. We're live today. And I always encourage commenting throughout the show because I like talking about, you know, different fantasy football questions that come out and engaging with you guys when you're able to do so. A lot of you may be aware that there's an issue going on with, with StreamYard and, and Twitter, and, and I use StreamYard myself and everything going on there that you're not really, we're not necessarily seeing the comments through that. I am, however, seeing comments if you go to the YouTube channel or if you are going to our Facebook page, which I actually don't do a good enough job of promoting. If you go to our Facebook page, GMD Saints Football Show, and you're watching through one of those two and you comment, I can see your comments through there. So if you're trying to comment, you're trying to contact me while the show is going on, hit me there, hit me on Twitch. I can see your comments through that. I just can't see it through Twitter streamer right now. Hopefully get that issue kind of fixed up. I want to, I just wanted to put that out there real quickly, or you can do what you always do. Follow social media, DM me a question, a fantasy football question. Not only will I make sure I answer you and try to help you out with your lineups each and every week, I'll pick out a few of my favorites and we'll do as part of the mailbag segment, which we do have at the end of the show today as well. All right, let's dive in to the Sunday preview matchups, the late slate of games, as I like to call it, as this part of the show. And first up, we got Chicago and the Raiders. Now, I don't know if it was Matt Nagy having an enlightening moment or if it was more likely somebody from above saying, hey, if you put in Andy Dalton, you're going to be fired now instead of at the end of the year because you're getting fired one way or another. Let's be real. It's Matt Nagy. Justin Fields, starting quarterback, rest of the season, no longer the, oh, if Andy Dalton is our is healthy, he's our starter comment. By the way, he did a whole 180 in 24 hours because that, that those comments were still being said out of his mouth on Tuesday. Come Wednesday, Dalton's practicing in full. That's the first report you get. Dalton's practicing in full. Ah, oh, crap. Here we go. Justin Fields is going to be benched for Andy Dalton. Literally five minutes later, Matt Nagy comes out and says, oh, Justin Fields is going to be the starter regardless. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I Look, I don't, look, Matt Nagy hasn't been any, log, there's been no rhyme or reason to anything he's done. He hasn't been logical. He's not a good coach. So I don't have any respect or confidence that he had a come-to-Jesus moment 
when Andy Dalton was able to practice in full. I think that definitely came from ownership. Because I don't think it came from Ryan Pace either. Because he's going to be on his way out the door of Matt Nagy at the same time too. So the good news is Justin Fields starting quarterback. I always said this was a two-part process. It was going to have to be Fields definitely the starting quarterback each and every week. Getting better. And Bill Lazor was going to have to take over the play calling. He did. He took over the play calling last week against Detroit. Now, I'm still trying to get more information. Is that something that's going to definitely continue? Was it just for that week? Will we see it this week? As of right now, it looks like Bill Lazor will be the guy calling plays heading into Sunday. This is happening much earlier than it did last season, so that's the good news. We do know Matt Nagy's always a threat to take over the play calling back any given moment, unfortunately, so you kind of have to play that week to week. But as of right now, you're looking at this as Justin Fields as a starter. Bill Lazor's calling the plays. And you saw that come to fruition against Detroit. Now, yes, it's Detroit defense. So there's a lot of things you can do that you may not be able to do against better teams. However, the concept of the play calling was different. You, had, you built an identity based on the run game. You had play action. And while Fields only threw the ball 17 times last week, he took shots. That's why you saw Darnell Mooney come away with the big... You know, stat line that he did. So that's going to be the offense moving forward. Now, here's the other part of this that everybody's frustrated by. Allen Robinson. When are we going to get Allen Robinson back involved? I look at Allen Robinson as very similar to the Robert Woods situation. He's too good of a wide receiver. Too good of a talent for this to continue happening. And where this is different than the Robert Woods situation, he doesn't have a Cooper Cup that he's got to contend with. Darnell Mooney's a nice player. He has a nice skill set, but this, this isn't a 1A, 1B situation. Mooney can take the top off. Robinson can operate underneath, but this should be Robinson's receiving core. This should be his time to get the target share he needs, especially as a guy who's going to be a free agent at the end of the year because I can't imagine the Bears would actually franchise tag him again. So he's in a contract year. He's going to get fed. Now that Bill Lazor's there, he, Lazor's always done one thing really, really well his entire career. Get his playmakers the ball. And while it didn't happen against Detroit, it didn't necessarily need to happen against Detroit. Keep in mind, Fields still only threw the ball 17 times. Playing against the Raiders is a much better team. I expect this to be more of a back-and-forth game. I think there's a decent chance Allen Robinson gets right. I have him as a wide receiver three heading into this week. Just because we haven't seen it to this point, it needs to get right. Fields is still in a low-volume offense as of right now, but there is hope on the horizon for an Allen Robinson. I'm pretty sure at this point you can get Allen Robinson for pennies on the dollar. With Fields now in place and Bill Lazor now in place, the upside is there to start turning. I would take advantage of that. And because you can get him for pennies on a dollar, because he is valued as nothing more than wide receiver three, wide receiver four in some people's minds. And that that owner, there's a good chance if you have Allen Robinson on your team, you're, you're a one in three, oh, and four team right now because of how bad he's been and where you probably drafted him as a core piece of your team. I think you can probably get Allen Robinson for pennies on the dollar. So go after, go get him because all the things are now in place for this Bears offense to get more competent. Remember, Dave, uh, David Montgomery is going to be out for at least a month. I think maybe even more than that, because they said four to five weeks, but if you look at their schedule, at the end of that five weeks, they have a bye week right after that. I wouldn't be surprised if it wound up, or I'm sorry, at the end of that four weeks, there's a bye week right after that. I wouldn't be surprised if his got extended to being more of a six, seven week thing because of that bye week, it just comes back after that. So Damian Williams is going to be there, 
But what's Damian Williams' best skill set? His best skill set is catching the football. Now, I don't expect this thing to turn into Justin Fields throwing the ball 40 times a game unless they're trying to come back from behind and they absolutely have to. That's not going to be a recipe to win. But they are going to throw the ball more with David Montgomery out and Damian Williams as the lead back. You'll see more RPO for Justin Fields where he's going to be the runner in a lot of situations as well, I believe. Now, I have his QB 21 this week, but he also has some upside rest of the season moving forward now with the formula in place. So buy low on Allen Robinson if you can. I think he's going to turn around soon. Fields, a lot of people sat on him, dropped him, pick him back up. He still has weekly top 12 potential because he's going to start to use his legs soon. I wouldn't play Fields this week, but rest of the season, I'm talking. Darnell Mooney's my wide receiver 25 this week. I think both Robinson and Mooney are in position to have a good game here. Again, I expect a back and forth. The Raiders have been able to move the ball against even better defenses than Chicago so far this season. And you can still attack them on the perimeter with your wide receivers. So I expect them both to get involved. You can play Darnell Mooney as a high-end wide receiver three who also has big play upside. Damian Williams, no David Montgomery. Williams expected, you look at the rest of that depth chart, you have Cleo Herbert, the six-round rookie. Look, it's... <laughs> there, this is kind of like David Montgomery last year where there's nobody behind him, so he gets all the work. Damian Williams is going to get all the work. Now, he's not nearly as good of a runner as David Montgomery is, but he might be a better pass catcher. So the mixture of the two, he comes in as a very, very solid RB16 for me this week. I feel very confident about playing him as a mid-level RB2 against the Raiders. Should be no surprise there. But I get very excited with the idea of it's fields and laser time. Let's get this thing going of what this Bears offense could possibly be from a fantasy standpoint. You go to the Raiders side. Derek Carr finally crashing back down to earth last week. I have him as QB20 heading into this matchup. He's outside of my streaming territory. I think you can find better options to stream off the waiver wire than having to play a Derek Carr this particular week. Josh Jacobs practicing in full finally for the first time this week. You like to see that. Looks like he's finally over the hump. I got him as RB24. I don't know how much Kenyon Drake's a factor. Jacobs actually was a lead pass catching back last week. Peyton Barber's hurt. He's out of the way, so you don't have to worry about any Peyton Barber nonsense out of John Curtin when it comes to Jacobs. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Jacobs is going to now be the de facto workhorse back and Kenyon Drake's not going to be involved. Drake still got paid. And there was some talk that he missed, you know, a block assignment and Gruden was pissed and kind of put him in the doghouse for that. He still got paid too much money that he's just going to be completely irrelevant and not utilized in the passing game for the rest of the season. But after watching last week, it seems like they're not necessarily going to make sure they utilize him at all either. So there is some upside hope now for a Josh Jacobs in that regard. But we know this. He'll get the bulk of the carries. He'll get the red zone work. And that'll keep him as an RB2 because he is a talented back. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. I don't want to play any pass. I I should say this. I don't want to play any wide receiver for the Raiders. I know Hunter Renfro has been pretty solid each week. Henry Ruggs is getting more involved now. Bryant Edwards plays the most as far as snaps and routes run goes. But they're all pretty much an even split. Unless the Raiders are throwing the ball 35 to 40 times in that game and Derek Carr is having one of his 300-yard-plus performances, none of them really have any value. And even in those situations, because he spreads the ball out so much between those guys, Nobody really becomes the clear-cut guy. So you have no idea who to play on a week-to-week basis heading into the game. It depends on game script. And can all three of them eat? Because it doesn't seem like one guy really eats over the other. Hunter Renfro's been the most consistent, especially from a PPR, a full-point PPR standpoint. But again, you can have better options. I don't have any of them as options for flex or anything like that. There's too, it's too wide of a range of outcomes still for these three guys. So outside of Darren Waller, who's my tight end too, and will be most weeks of Travis Kelsey, I don't want to tra- trust a Raiders pass catcher. I just don't. There's not enough. There's not enough upside to floor ratio there for me to feel like compelled to go in that direction. So let's move into the Cleveland Chargers game. Got a lot of questions about Nick Chubb this week and uh, impossible trade opportunities. Everyone's saying like, oh, he's getting kept out of the end zone. You know, it's frustrating. My thing is he has three touchdowns in four games. I'm not really sure more what. <laughs> let's let's remember, guys, week one and week two, he had two touchdowns week one, a touchdown week two. Yes, he didn't score week three, week four. But does that really mean all of a sudden we're worried about Nick Chubb getting touchdowns? Like, Look, we know him and Kareem Hunt are going to get mixed in at the red zone, depending on whose series it is. Depending on one of them, he's a breather at the end of the drive, because they go on a lot of long drives. That's what kind of happened to Nick Chubb the last two weeks, right? He would he'd go on these long drives with the team. They get into the red zone. He comes out because at that point, he's a breather because they gave him the ball 10 times on that drive to get them down there in the first place. And then Kareem Hunt winds up being the one who scores a touchdown. It's These guys cut into each other to some degree. We know this already, but he's still getting 20-plus carries in the game. He got over 100 yards last week. There's, just, there's no reason to worry about Nick Chubb. Is he an elite top five RB1? No, we knew that. We knew that. As long as Kareem Hunt is there, there's enough of his work getting capped that he's just not a top five. Is he top 10? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you drafted him to be. So I'm not really sure what the concern is at this point. But hey, you know what? If you could take advantage of people being frustrated, he's not getting in the end zone, you know, two weeks out of four, then, you know, we're fine. I got to hit the breaking news button. 
breaking news. There's some word going around right now among beat reporters that surgery is not out of the question for Russell Wilson. Depends on the MRI results of today. Now, keep in mind, with a finger surgery, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to miss an extended period of time if you elect to get the surgery. In fact, we've seen, now not that this is a broken finger, but we've seen guys have broken fingers, get surgeries, and still be able to play that same week. I remember, I can't remember who the player was, but I remember a couple instances last year where that happened with two different guys. Where they had the surgery. I think Chris Godwin was one of them, and he actually wound up suiting up either that week or the week after. So it doesn't necessarily mean he would definitely miss an extended period of time just because he gets surgery, because that's usually a scary word when it comes to athletes. It usually means a long rehab and everything else. But in this situation, I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. But we got to break that news uh, with, as we watch the Russell Wilson situation develop. So Nick Chubb is my RB8 against the Chargers. You can run on this team. It's Cleveland Browns. He continues to get enough work. He'll find the end zone. Don't worry about it. Kareem Hunt, you play him as an RB2. He's my RB20 on the week. He's going to usually be a low-end RB2, high-end RB3, I think, but either... Either in your RB2 spot or in your flex spot, Kareem Hunt needs to be in your lineup every single week. He has just as much of a threat to score as Nick Chubb. As you see, he gets more involved in the passing game. He's an RB2, period. Plain and simple. One of the few teams you can play. You can have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the same team. You'd be golden. You'd be golden. OBJ, wide receiver 39 heading into this matchup. Now, the Chargers have been pretty decent against the pass. OBJ should have had an opportunity to break out last week. There was just some putrid, putrid, putrid offensive play going on. I mean, Baker Mayfield looked terrible. Kirk Cousins on the other side looked terrible. And again, I go to this. I don't want to take things away from the defense because the defenses for both the Vikings and the Browns played well a week ago. But it did look more to me like bad offense that wasn't clicking than it was necessarily good defense. I, I told you guys at the recap, throw that game away. There was nothing you could take out of that game moving forward of any merit as far as your fantasy football expectations would go. Take it up, throw it out. OBJ comes in wide receiver 39. I think you consider him the flex. Consider him a low end wide receiver three. You can play him because, again, as long as Jarvis Landry's out, we know the target gets consolidated around OBJ. It's just a matter of does Cleveland need to throw the ball a ton? Do they need to get him involved as much? We'll see. We'll see if their timing works out. I think you can play him as a flex play, especially this week against the Chargers. But that's it. There's no reason to play a tight end. Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Harrison Bryant still seeing the field, cutting into everybody. Austin Hooper still the lead guy, but Njoku and Bryant still take away too much work for him to ever be, you know, a top 12 possibility. Higgins gets a little bit involved along with OBJ as the passing attack goes. But that's it. And again, the targets are still going to favor around OBJ. You can only really favor one wide receiver in this run-heavy based offense. So let's go to the Chargers side. Justin Herbert outside my top 12 this week, but not a bus candidate. He is my QB 13. He hasn't been lighting the world on fire from a fantasy standpoint. He hasn't been. But if you draft him to be your QB 1, I do have him a QB 13, so I probably would not be benching him this week if that's what you drafted him to be. It's all about context. This isn't, you know, a great matchup. The Cleveland Browns defense, is, it's legitimate. It's a good defense. So if you wanted to stream somebody, you could. But I'm not saying you definitively have to bench Herbert. He's not definitively on my bus list this week when he reaches QB 13. Austin Eckler, can't say enough about Austin Eckler right now. He's my RB9 heading into this week due to the matchup, but he's been a top five running back 
He's a workhorse guy. I never thought I would see the day that Austin Eckler would truly be a workhorse running back, but we're seeing that day. Because not only is he involved in the passing game, like he would normally would be, and he always would get the majority of the carries. But a lot of times that'd be like between 12 and 14 carries. You really get most of your volume for the passing game. Well, now we're seeing over 15 carries with involvement in the passing game and red zone touches, red zone carries. They're not bringing in Larry Roundtree automatically when they get inside the 10 or Justin Jackson or anything of that nature. Austin Eckler has been unleashed, and as a result, when he has better matchups, can be expected to play as a top-five running back more times than not, especially in half-point PPR, which is what we base these rankings off of in the first place. So because of the tough matchup, he's, in, he's RB9. But man, oh man, you got everything you wanted out of Eckler and more if you actually had the courage to draft him and ignore the injury history that he has. Now, it's still a long season. we got to see if he's really going to be able to hold up for 17 games with this workload. But right now, you're getting everything you wanted out of Austin Eckler, and he is a bona fide RB1 every single week. Keenan Allen, my wide receiver 15 on the week. He has a safer floor to Mike Williams. We kind of saw that come to fruition last week. While Mike Williams has been the better receiver fantasy-wise up until that point, Keenan Allen will always be the safety blanket. He'll always be the chain mover. When Herbert's under duress, that's who he's going to throw the ball to. It's just, he's designed that way. He's designed to be that grandma blanket that you cozy up in and make you feel all safe inside. That's what this offense is designed to do. That's why, I mean, his stat line didn't look great as far as, I think he had, what, not even 40 yards, but he had eight receptions, and he had double-digit targets. Mike Williams only had four. I don't know definitively if this is the game to get back on track, but you can't not play a Keenan Allen, who I have at wide receiver 15, and Mike Williams, who I have at wide receiver 29. He's definitely a guy in my lineup as my wide receiver three or as my flex, depending on if you play two or three wide receivers in your lineups. Still been incredibly good. But I think what we saw last week was this. While he had been playing as a wide receiver one for the first three weeks, I don't expect him to be a wide receiver one. I don't expect him to finish as a top 12 wide receiver by season's end. However, I'm not saying this goes back to Mike Williams of old now, where it's like, oh, now is he just this touchdown, big play, boomer, bust guy? Every wide receiver has bust games. It just happens. Every single one. It's the nature of the position. Keep in mind the routes that he's running, the route tree that he has, the schematic game plan of the new offense, the way they utilize him, ensures that he's not going to turn into Mike Williams of old. He's not going to be boom or bust every single week just because he had one bad game last week. He will be more consistently than not utilized on a week-to-week basis, more consistently than not we'll see 8, 10-plus targets in a up-tempo, pass-first offense. So I'm not going to suddenly be super concerned about Mike Williams, but I don't love the matchup here. And it could be another ugly-looking type of game, which is why I don't have him as a bona fide wide receiver too, but somebody who I definitely want in my lineups nonetheless. And I'm not worried about him rest of the season based off of last week. I trust the utilization that he's in now to be more consistent than not. So don't worry about Mike Williams. A lot of people saying like, oh, he's going to go try go right back to being the white Williams of old after one game. No, they're not utilizing him that way. So don't worry about it. Jared Cook, he's just outside my streaming tight ends. I know he had the nice game last week. I expected him to have a better game last week. I had him inside my top 12 tight ends. This week against the Browns, 
He is my tight end 19. Usually I don't look any further past than tight end 18 if I'm looking for a streaming option to begin with. So he's kind of in that area, but I would prefer you go in other directions of guys that are usually available in the situation, like Tyler Conklin, for instance, uh, still mostly available in a lot of leagues out there, or at least he's less than 50% owned on average as it stands of right now. I'd rather have him this week than necessarily a Jared Cook. All right, so let's head into our next matchup. The big NFC East matchup of the week. Got the Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Actually, I'm going to start with the Cowboys on this one. I do have Dak Prescott as my number five quarterback heading into this week. Now, I know from a fantasy standpoint, it hasn't been great outside of week one. They haven't had to throw the ball a ton outside of week one. I mean, one thing the Cowboys have been showing now through the first part of this season is, hey, you know what? We don't have to throw the ball all the time to win the game because the defense is now competent. It's still not good, but it's competent. And because it's competent, they can now lean on Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard. They can win the game running the ball. They've proved that the last two weeks. They won the Eagles game, the Monday night game, because they smashed the ball down their throat. And they won the game against Carolina. They put up 36 points against Carolina because they smashed the ball down their throat. And Prescott only threw the ball 22 times. So he's going to be a little bit Jekyll and Hyde from a fantasy standpoint. He's not going to finish as a top five quarterback at the end of this year because they're showing it now. He's just, they're not necessarily going to have to throw it that much. It's not, as nece- it's not as necessary. They can do it. They have the weapons to do it. And I think they break it out a little bit in this game. I do think Prescott throws the ball more than 22 times in this match against the Giants. I do. Now, you can run the ball in the Giants, too. So there's definitely the concern is there that they could win this game the way they had the last two and run the ball and beat them up. There's no doubt about that. But I expect that passing game to get back on track here. They're too talented. The Chiefs let them get the waste. You have to keep guys in rhythm. So I think they're going to look at this game as an opportunity like, hey, you know what? Let's get Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, and Amari Cooper going this week. Zika Elliott's a little bit banged up. Amari Cooper is, too. Why they might look at this as an opportunity, CeeDee Lamb to bounce back, Dalton Schultz to continue to be involved, Dak Prescott to bounce back. You continue to play these guys because the offensive firepower is there. You still like the matchup against the Giants. And here's what I'll say about the Giants. They're coming off of a win against New Orleans, uh, New Orleans Saints, 27-21 in overtime. Daniel Jones at times has been able to move the ball enough against his opponents where they have to keep their foot on the pedal. So I wouldn't be surprised the Giants are able to do enough offensively to keep Dallas aggressive in this game. So Dak Prescott is my QB5. I have confidence in playing him this week. Ezekiel Elliott's my RB2. He's been great, unreal. All the questions, oh, is Tony Pollard going to take over? No, he's not. Kept telling you guys, no, he's not. You got to pay attention to the way these guys are getting utilized. When? How? Elliott, definitely my RB2. Since Blake Martinez is out, you can run the ball plenty on the New York Giants. Not that you couldn't before, but now there's really nobody to stop you. Tony Pollard, just outside my RB3 range. He's in my RB3 37. Usually go by the top 36. He can be considered a flex play. He's still getting double-digit carries. So when you have a running back who's that explosive, getting double-digit carries, he's going to be a guy that you can potentially put in your flex depending on what you need. Now, the problem is that he hasn't been involved in the passing game since week two because they haven't been throwing the ball as much in general, but they haven't been throwing the ball as much to the running backs either. They haven't had to. So that's what's been kind of holding him back from 
you know, that week two, that big week two performance that he's had where people were like, oh, you can plug and play him. No, no, no. If you don't have a better option, he's a guy who at least you know will be involved a double-digit amount of times, and that'll give you at least a floor, and he has the capability to break one to give you some upside. But I don't want to have to play Tony Pollard if I don't have to, especially in 12-man leagues, which is usually what we go off of. Then you have, you know, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. Because Cooper's dealing a little bit with that hamstring injury, even though he had the better game last week than CeeDee Lamb did, I do have CeeDee Lamb two spots ahead. I have him at wide receiver 14, Cooper at wide receiver 16. But I do expect both of these guys to be high-end wide receiver twos this week. Again, going back to, I expect the Cowboys to get the passing game going a little bit because you got to keep guys in rhythm. you got to keep guys sharp. you got to keep guys fed, especially in your wide receiver group. They're too talented not to. So I have him as high end wide receiver twos. And Dalton Schultz might make my top 12 tight ends. He is my tight end 11. The key with Schultz, I don't want to jump on the Schultz bandwagon. Blake Jarwin's still there. We've seen the tight ends drop out in this offense before and just not be involved at all. And that's always going to be a concern no matter what. But as long as Michael Gallup's out, Cedric Wilson hasn't been gobbling up all those targets. So there's targets to be shared with the tight ends. The key is you have two weeks in a row now of Schultz playing well. But more, more than that, last week, he dominated Blake Jarwin in snaps, routes run, targets. So that was a big key for me, where it looks like Dalton Schultz has taken over as the lead tight end, especially when it comes to you know actual fantasy production, actual fantasy, you know, what you care about, targets, routes run, and you know, of course, the box score itself as well. So I think you could play against the Giants. You can play Dalton Schultz as a top 12 tight end. I got him a tight end 11. And he's a guy who's still pretty well involved as well. Got a little breaking news here. Breaking news. Chase Edmonds did come out and is working out uh, in the open part of practice. He hadn't practiced the last two days. So we were going to be really interested to see if Chase Edmonds was going to practice today because there was a chance here that it might wind up being James Conner. And he's somebody who's been a, a solid, a solid RB2 for you this so far at half point and full point PPR. We're actually going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers right after the break. So let's get a word from our sponsor and stay tuned to the MD Saints football show. Still have some more games to preview. And then, of course, we have the mailbag segment for you guys. So stay tuned on social media at Billy MDFF show. We'll be back with you right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league. With the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming, just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers' front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFF Show, and of course on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Subscribe as soon as you get the opportunity to do so. Always giving you great content there. 
Check us out on your favorite posturing app after the show. Available to you on iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, iHeart, wherever. And of course, we'll be on tonight on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And we'll be on again later tonight. Whew. A lot of MDs fan football show today. From 9 to 10, as we do the MDs DFS contest and lock bets of the week for week five. We might even talk about a little bit of college football because Chaz Florida likes to bet a lot on college football. And because now we're going to be doing the show on Friday nights, we'll be able to talk about that beforehand. So we'll have a little college football for you guys to win some money as well. Always, always opening up our doors, always trying to expand and make our content and everything else better for you, MD Nation. Win you guys money and win you guys championships. So before we hit the break, we talked about the Chase Edmonds news that just came out that he is out there and working out in practice. We'll see what the official designation winds up being at the end of today. Will it be full, limited, but we do have confirmation who's out there during at least individual drills during the open portion to the media. So he's out there, which is a good sign for him to be able to play this Sunday. I did rank him as if he was going to play. So I have him at RB22. I have James Conner at RB27. Now, Conner has a wide boom-the-bust ratio. I think we all understand this by now. He's not efficient. He does not involve in the passing game. But he does get double-digit carries every single week, pretty much, except for one, I think, when they didn't really run the ball at all. And he gets the red zone looks. They get inside the 10. It's James Conner time. And the only person who can stop him from getting a touchdown, it seems like in that situation, is Kyler Murray. Last two weeks, he's gotten two touchdowns apiece. I mean, that's that's what's crazy right now about Connor. So he's touchdown or bust. There's no doubt about that. Now, in this game, you're trying to see you know, what's going on with Edmonds, because if not, he would have been the workhorse back there. I think he's got I think he's gonna be fine. But as a result of that, because he's touchdown or bust, but he has been getting the touchdowns, and this is an offense that gets him inside the red zone quite often. We had a game, well, I think it was week three, where Kyler Murray had a rushing touchdown, and James Connor still walked away with two rushing touchdowns. Against San Francisco 49ers, who've been susceptible to the run, really haven't been a good team yet this year. In all honesty, haven't been a great defense. He's got potential to score again here. So that's why he comes in as an RB3 for me. So he can be a flex play or a spot star play if need be this week because of his touchdown potential in this matchup against San Francisco 49ers, why he comes in at RB27. DeAndre Hopkins. So there's been a lot of talk about DeAndre Hopkins. A lot of people are concerned. He got a little bit banged up. It looks like after you know week one, heading into week two, was very, very limited in that game, or he was out in that game. Then he was limited uh, a week ago. Last week, not great on the box score. But if you look a little bit deeper, he got back to his normal amount of routes run. He got back to his normal amount of snaps. It just didn't, it just didn't, you know, process over result. It didn't wind up being the result that you look for out of DeAndre Hopkins, which is to be a top 10 wide receiver every single week. But he headed in the right direction. So whatever it was he was dealing with, I think last week showed you that he's healthy now. He's back out there again. This is a good matchup for him because San Francisco has nobody left in the secondary. I mean, nobody. (laughs) They're down to Drake Kirkpatrick. I think they're hoping Josh Norman plays. (laughs) But it's bad. I expect Hopkins to have a very good game as he's full go now. I have him at wide receiver seven this week. He's still a wide receiver one. There are situations out there that I've seen this week where Hopkins seems to be, at least in some leagues anyway, a buy low candidate 
because he hasn't been performing as a wide receiver one the past couple of weeks. So if you're in a league like that, where you know the guy who has Hopkins is getting a little bit antsy, maybe see if you can buy a loan of DeAndre Hopkins before this matchup, because everything is pointing to this matchup for him to get going again. After the snap counts and routes run last week, the targets and the production should come this week in a good matchup against San Francisco 49ers. So just kind of keep that in mind because I've seen quite a bit of that last week. There's my little tidbit for you guys out there. Uh, here's, some, ooh, here's some news that we got to hit for you guys. Breaking news. So there's talk now that Joe Mixon is going to try to practice tomorrow. Didn't practice Wednesday. Didn't practice Thursday. Didn't practice today. According to Zach Taylor, which isn't saying much, granted, they're going to see if Joe Mixon can practice tomorrow and potentially play on Sunday. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. That's that's surprising. I would still lean, especially coming after the talk to the offensive coordinator last week or yesterday, and he said Joe Mixon was definitely going to be out this week. So that's surprising. Look, I still don't expect Mixon to play. I don't. But if they're this close, if he's this close to getting back in action, I would say you can feel very, very confident he'll be back in week six, which I think was really the best case scenario, what you're hoping for when this injury came out anyways. Like, just don't let it be a long-term injury. You miss one week, fine. Just be back as soon as possible. So whether, regardless of whether they try to actually get him to have give it a go this week, I think you can play Mixon. I think you will be having Mixon available to you, you know, assuming he doesn't have a setback next week. But that is interesting. Zach Taylor said they're going to try to get him to practice tomorrow to see if he can go. That is that is going to be something we we'll keep our eye on. We'll keep you up to date on social media at Show. All right, so we're talking about the Arizona Cardinals here. Hopkins, my wide receiver, seven. Christian Kirk is my next rated wide receiver. I know A.J. Green has been suddenly getting back involved the past couple of weeks. There's just no upside there, and you always have the low floor of he could just not get the targets that game. He's not the A.J. Green of old. He's still good at catching the ball at the point of attack, jumping up for it. He's still big, still a veteran wide receiver. He gets no separation. He has no speed anymore. I'd rather have Christian Kirk, who, yes, I know he has, you know, inconsistently a bit of a boomer bust to his game, without a doubt, always has. But as long as he continues to play the slot receiver, it's a good matchup. He has the explosive ability. He does get targeted in the red zone. I think Christian Kirk can be a sleeper home run hit in your flex position if you're looking for a player like that. It is a low floor. Keep that in mind. So I really only want to play him if I don't have a lot of options and I feel like I need to take a swing for the fences in my lineup. 
but he is that type of guy in this matchup where I think you can do that. Outside of that, I know Max Williams has been involved. I do have him in my streaming tight end area. He's in that top 18 where you can consider him. Just really hard for me to have confidence in a guy who's always been a block first tight end, and they have all these mouths to feed to really want to go in that direction. But he does come in in that range of streaming tight ends if you're looking for somebody in that area. Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. A lot of big storylines there. Oh, I got to hit the breaking news segment again. All the break, all, all the injury reports are coming out. Breaking news. Dalvin Cook is on the field with a helmet doing some work in the open portion of practice. So after not practicing Wednesday, after not practicing Thursday, it sounds like he'll probably wind up being at least a limited participant in practice today, which is good for him as far as his availability on Sunday goes to Detroit. We talked about that earlier. So good news on the Dalvin Cook front. All right, let's talk about San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo was devast- clearly devastated after last week's game. I think he thought it was going to be a longer-term injury, a strain, a sprain, a rupture, something of that nature. It wound up being a calf contusion. Now, I thought, given that I think Garoppolo knows that if he gives any kind of a window to Trey Lance, there's a chance he may, he may never see the starting job again, at least not for San Francisco 49ers this season. So I thought with a calf contusion, if he could at all go, he would try to go. Wasn't able to practice Wednesday. Wasn't able to practice on Thursday. Everything's pointing to Trey Lance is, in fact, going to be the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers this week. Now, a couple things with that. Lance looked like he was over his head last week as far as reading defenses. Everyone keeps clamoring about the two touchdowns, which I don't get because we, we all recognize, at least, that Debo was more open than anyone could ever be open on the first touchdown. That was a, that was a 76-yard touchdown play where they just flat, these saddle just flat out didn't cover him. He was 50% completion percentage outside of that. He looked like he was having real trouble reading defenses out there. Now, that's his NFL quarterback standpoint play. It makes me nervous about the floors of a Debo and of a George Kittle. I don't think you're playing Brandon Ayuk until you see more consistent usage out of him. Or you might not even be rostering him at this point. We'll talk about that in a second. However, from a fantasy standpoint, the other thing you saw is that they ran a lot of pistol formation a lot of designed runs for Trey Lance. Now, he's not going to, he's not going to be the Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or he's not going to be a running quarterback of that nature where he's, you know, breaking off big chunk runs. He doesn't have that speed necessarily. But he has more of that Josh Allen, old man Cam Newton body running style where you're a bigger guy and you're mobile enough where you're going to have these designed runs for you where you're picking up like, you know, 5 to 8 yards. The point is they're going to have an offense designed around his mobility. So from a fantasy standpoint against the Arizona Cardinals, he's going to have a high floor. I just don't know exactly what he's going to give you in the passing game because of how inconsistent he still is as a throwing quarterback. So he comes in a QB 16 for me. So he is a streaming option. You've been looking for a round for quarterbacks. And the other thing about Trey Lance is that, you know, there's an opportunity. He may be the starter from here on out. It may not just be this game. Now they have the bye week next week. So keep that in mind. But this is a guy that you could be picking up like kind of like a Fields, who will have top 12 potential every single week because of his rushing ability. And because he'll have, we know, unlike Fields right now, actually, I think I'm more confident now that Bill Lazor's taking over. But unlike Fields, we already know for sure 
Shanahan's going to build an offense around him running the football, around him doing RPO action. So that's where you get a little bit more confident there. So he is a QB 16. He is a streaming option for me with some upside rest of the year when it comes to fantasy football. But don't expect him to light the world on fire throwing the football, which brings me to Debo Samuel. He is my wide receiver 12. The one thing that remained consistent is that whether it was Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo last week, the entire passing attack offense is not built around George Kittle. We know it's definitely, you know, Brandon Ayuk, you can be involved if you want to be kind of deal, it seems like. It, it's, it's revolved around getting Debo Samuel open over the middle. That's what this passing attack offense is built off of. You still don't like Arizona secondary. You can throw the ball on these guys. So I expect Debo to get a healthy amount of targets in this game. And for that transition to be the same between a Lance and a Jimmy Garoppolo for Debo to be the number one target. So it comes out wide receiver 12. You like the matchup. You play him with confidence. Brandon Ayuk's my wide receiver 55. I don't care if it was Jimmy. I don't care if it was Trey Lance. He's a guy that if you don't want to, you don't have to. Prepare to be flushed. If you need a roster spot, you can drop him. Even when he got back, I think it was week three was his first like week where he was fully getting the snap count back again. I believe that was the week he scored as well. Didn't matter. He went back the wrong direction last week. Trent Sherfield got more involved. Muhammad Snoo got more involved. Ayuk was still the second leading receiver as far as snap counts and routes run goes, but it didn't matter. They're not they're not building the offense to get him involved. And unlike like the Robert Woods situation where Sean McVay's like, all right, we got to get him involved. Shanahan doesn't seem, really seem to care whether he gets Brandon Ayuk involved or not, or not right now. So for me, if I have Ayuk, I'm not playing him. The only reason I'm keeping him would be for the upside that we know Debo Samuel has gotten hurt with a soft tissue injury every single year since college. So you're keeping him on the idea that Debo Samuel being an injury-prone player may lead into Brandon Ayuk being the de facto wide receiver one, and then he will be the guy who gets game plan to get open at that point. That's the upside right now for Brandon Ayuk. Otherwise, he doesn't really have much fantasy value. He's basically a wide receiver Hancock which you can find a bunch of guys that you want there. Uh, a few more breaking news options here. Breaking news. Good news for the Panthers. Running back Christian McCaffrey continues to practice. So I think that's going to solidify that McCaffrey will go this week. Rob Gronkowski will not play again. Not um, That was expected as well. Dealing with the rib injury there. So a couple of news coming out as we speak today as well. So things that we are expecting McCaffrey looks like he's a good shot. He's going to play this Sunday after being able to practice three days in a row without a setback. Let's get to George Kittle tight end five continues to just not be utilized in the red zone, but double digit targets last week. They're going to build as much safety blankets as they can for a Trey Lance. So I think from that standpoint, you know, Kittle will be involved. He'll be used, utilized as an easy read for Lance there. We know Kittle's a top tight end. You're playing him every single week. Problem is, I don't know if he's going to finish as a top three guy because they just don't utilize him in the red zone enough. And he doesn't stay as consistently involved the way a Travis Kelsey, the way a Darren Waller does. So is he going to be top five? Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. I don't know if he's going to be the elite of the elite like you wanted him to be, regardless of injury. Elijah Mitchell did practice in a limited capacity all week this week, and he was cleared for contact. The Stance is, as of right now, unless it changes after practice today, is that he's going to play. 
Trey Sermon did not do enough in my mind to take the job back from Elijah Mitchell. But I do think he will be more involved than what he was than uh, when Mitchell that game that Mitchell got hurt. Remember, leading up to that point, Trey Sermon hadn't had a carry until that happens. I don't think it's going to be that severe that way where Elijah Mitchell is clearly the workhorse back. So I think Sermon will be involved. I think he's a guy who's going to get maybe 8 to 10 carries. And Elijah Mitchell will get the majority of work. And he'll also be the one who gets involved in the passing game as well because he has that skill set to do so. And while Juice Check is nice for them to be able to have, especially in pass protection, that's not really the guy they want out there because obviously he's not a big play guy with the ball in his hands out in the open field. So I think Mitchell will take over in that capacity as well. So I have him as RB26 heading into this week. And Sermon's really nothing more than a handcuff heading into this matchup. But you can play Elijah Mitchell as a high-end flex play this week. That wraps it up for that game. Let's get it into the Sunday night game. The Sunday night game. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a shootout. Buffalo versus Kansas City. Josh Allen, my QB1, because he's the one going up against the Kansas City defense, where Mahomes is actually going to have to face a decent uh, decent defense against Buffalo. Although, I think there's going to be points to be had here from both sides. Zach Moss, my RB33. Devin Singletary, my RB35. Nothing changes here. You have a 50-50 committee, somewhat of a hot hand approach, good matchup, a lot of points being scored. They both are you know, pretty much getting the same amount of work, essentially, just a matter of who winds up scoring that game, who winds up getting involved in the passing game that game. It could be either one of them. They just both continue to be RB3s. So you can play them in your flex play if you have to, but remember, they have a low floor to high ceiling ratio. So a bit of a boomer bust play. If you're playing these guys, just keep that in mind, no matter what's going on in the game. Stephon Diggs, my wide receiver, too. This is where it gets more interesting. Emmanuel Sanders, my wide receiver, 41. Cole Beasley, my wide receiver, 42. I have them back-to-back. They're both going to be involved against Kansas City. And they, I would not, while I have them rated as wide receiver fours, it wouldn't shock me as all these guys finished as wide receiver threes or closer to that top 24 range. Because we've seen this before. In games in which the Bills do have to throw the ball a ton, and I expect this to be one of those games, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders rack up targets. So they don't have the top end ceiling of a Stephon Diggs, but they definitely have a very solid floor heading into this game. You need spot starts, you need flex plays. Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, very much viable options for you this week. And Dawson Knox, for the first time this year, making my top eight tight ends. He's been consistently involved. And in a high volume passing offense, a lot more guys can eat, even if, even if you have a lot of guys to feed the ball to. Dawson Knox, my tight end seven on the week, a must start for me. Love the way he's been playing. Always loved his talent. It looks like everything's coming to fruition for him this season and a nice red zone target, something that really the Bills don't have a lot of on the team as well. So you like him there. In Kansas City, you know, you're firing up everybody. Mahomes, my QB three. Tyree Kill is my wide receiver three. Travis Kelsey, the tight end one. And Josh Gordon making his debut. Now, hopefully, you're smart enough to know not to play Josh Gordon. I would hope so, at least this week. Uh, but it will be interesting to see. He's going to be active. He's going to be on the roster. He's not going to. He's still not in football shape, guys. He just he just got back. So that I don't know how many snaps, how many routes run we're really going to wind up seeing out of Josh Gordon. But we know Miko Hardman. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen with Demarcus Robinson or Byron Pringle either. So Gordon is a stash play who might take over as the third pass catcher on the Kansas City Chiefs offense, which if he does could be fantasy relevant, which is why he's a stash play. Hopefully not playing him this week, but we all will be watching Josh Gordon when he's out there and what he's able to do. 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire is my RB19 this week just due to how many points I expect to be scored. Obviously, being the lead back. But we need to watch some things. First of all, this is a good Buffalo Bills defense. I don't think he's going to be very efficient. So I don't think he's going to be able to go for 100 yards on 14 carries like he's been able to do the past couple of weeks on this defense. He's not going to be as efficient. So you have to see, does he get involved in the red zone or do they go back to Darrell Williams like they had the past couple of weeks? We have to keep our eye on that. Is he ever going to be involved in the passing game? My answer to that is probably no. But this would be a matchup in which, okay, you're not going to be able to run up the middle with much efficiency against the Buffalo Bills. You can attack them on the edges. You can attack the linebackers with the running backs running out of the backfield. Will they do that? They don't do it here. I don't think they're ever going to do it really consistently this season. I already think that's not going to happen anyway. He has to be played as an RB2. He has to be in your lineup. But there is potential for a bust game here for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, which is why I was telling you guys to sell high on him the past two weeks before he hit this matchup because as soon as he enters this matchup, I'm worried he goes right back down to the frustrating, mind-blowing, you know, oxymoron value he had before where you can't really sell him off because you get pennies on the dollar, but you don't necessarily want to have to play him either in certain situations. The big thing we have to watch is Darrell Williams. Does he continue to get ramp up his involvement that he has been the past couple of weeks and continue to take over that red zone opportunity? That's what we really have to watch there. Then we move into the Monday night game between the Colts and the Ravens. I don't know how exciting of a game this is going to be, but at least it's two quality football teams. That's all you can really ask for. I feel like on primetime television. Obviously, you're not playing Wentz. Jonathan Taylor is my RB17. It's a tough matchup here. Ravens pretty good against the run. And you always have to question, you know, how involved are you going to be compared to, you know, Naeem Hines and Marlon Mack had 10 carries last week. I do think that was just to try to showcase and trade Marlon Mack than it was something that we're actually going to have to worry about moving forward when it comes to Jonathan Taylor or anything like that. Uh, I still think Naeem Hines is really the only thing you're worried about because it just caps how much Taylor's going to be involved in the passing game. But Hines also gets involved sometimes inside the 22, and that also kind of takes away from Taylor not being the red zone scoring machine that he should be. Uh, But you're playing him as an RB2 regardless. Michael Pittman, my wide receiver 37, just outside of my top 36 wide receivers. As long as Carson Wentz is out there, I trust that he will throw the ball to Michael Pittman first. He'll get enough targets. He'll always have a safe floor. It just be a matter of whether you can score or not. And you can throw the ball in the Ravens right now because they are vulnerable in the secondary. And I think the Colts will have to come back from behind this game. So you might see a little bit more volume in the passing game too. So Michael Pittman, a nice low-end wide receiver three flex play option for you this week. <laughs> Next not least, Ravens. Lamar Jackson coming in as my QB4. Obviously, you're playing him. Marquise Brown's been phenomenal this season. He really looks like, first of all, he looks thicker, which has been a big key for me. He's been able to get off the line of scrimmage a little bit better. And he just looks like he's simpatico right now with Lamar. And they're, and they're taking more deep shots this year than they've had so far with Lamar, which is really playing to Marquise Brown's benefit as well. It's a good matchup. Everyone's been able to throw in the Colts so far, especially on the deep ball. So Marquise Brown coming in as my wide receiver 23 with a lot of upside in this Monday night matchup. And of course, Mark Andrews, the top five tight end for me, comes in at number four. Yes, it's been frustrating. He hasn't found the end zone yet, but the target has been consistently there. He's a trustworthy pass catcher against a good matchup here. The key here for the Ravens, of course, is the run, is the backfield. Latavius Murray had 18 carries last week. They wanted to play the nursing home stable of running backs between Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell. 
we don't have any word yet if Tyson Williams is going to again be a healthy scratch or not. We don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I can't see how it continues. But clearly, the Ravens, the only running back they trust right now is Latavius Murray. We can trust that he'll at least be the lead guy. We can trust that he'll be the guy utilizing the red zone. And that the Ravens will at least have some opportunities for him to score. So to me, he's a touchdown or bust player who may be the lead dog again. So that's why he comes in at RB23 for me this week. Don't feel great about it. There is a low floor if he doesn't find the end zone because he's just not a guy capable of going for 100 yards anymore, I don't believe, unless the defense just falls down. And right now, you have to trust that he's going to be the lead guy on a heavy run offense. It's always viable, and he's a low-end RB2 for me who has a good chance to find the end zone. That's going to do it for our previews. Let's get in for the mailbag segment. The mail's here. All right, again, if, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is up on social media, at BellyUpMDFFShow, and we will get to your questions. If you ask a question, we'll answer it for you. We'll help you out, and I'll pick out a few of the favorite ones and put them here on the segment. Now, uh, before we do that, though, I do have some more breaking news. A lot of breaking news coming out on today's show. We'll absolutely love it. Breaking news. Teddy Bridgewater is expected to be cleared by the independent doctor and fully practiced today. So it looks like Teddy Bridgewater will be the starting quarterback. That's good news for Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, everybody involved. Melvin Gordon also expected to play, uh, even though he was a little bit limited at practice himself. So that's all the good news there. All right, let's get in the mailbag segment because we got to wrap up the show. Blake, rest of season PPR, Cooper or Melvin Gordon? Yeah, this is the result of people being down on Amari Cooper, being down on the Dallas passing game in general. Remember, especially when it comes to this question, remember that, first of all, Amari Cooper is a high-end wide receiver, too. He's still a good offense, still a good receiver. He's still the lead guy for Dak Prescott. So don't let a couple of you know games where they didn't have to throw the ball a ton suddenly make you feel like Amari Cooper isn't worth more than Melvin Gordon, who is an RB3 at best because he's splitting time with Javante Williams. And we know it won't be Melvin Gordon taking over that backfield. If anything, it'll go the other way and be Williams at some point. So, yeah, definitely Amari Cooper. Don't overthink it with him either. Don't get too down on him because usually we get questions like this. These are the people who wind up selling off Amari Cooper for pennies on the dollar. Don't do it, Blake. Don't do it. Chet, he asked, trade Joe Burrow, Cordell Patterson, and LaVisca Chenault for Clyde Edwards-Lair and Zach Moss. No, absolutely not, Chet. Why would you do that? I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Patterson... If you're going to sell Patterson, sell him for an RB1. Sell him for a high-end RB2 with upside. Don't sell him for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who we know you know, his best two games might have been the last past two weeks because of his shaky involvement and losing more involvement in more key fantasy scoring opportunities to begin with. So no, Chet, you don't make that deal. You don't trade Burrow, who's a borderline top 12 quarterback. You don't trade LaVisca Chenault, who now has become potentially a wide receiver three for the rest of the season. Now with the extra target share, he's going to see with no more DJ Chark. For a guy who's an RB3 in a committee in Zach Moss and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, who's a low-end RB2 by default just based on his situation, but not with a lot of upside because of his ability. So no, Chet, please do not make that deal. Sean, Keenan Allen or Calvin Ridley PPR rest of season? It's Keenan Allen. Uh, like, again, we don't know exactly what's going on with Calvin Ridley. I'm assuming that you know a lot of these times when it happens, it's usually just for a week. Hopefully that's all it is. Uh, you know, hopefully everything's going to be okay with him personally. Uh, I think he will be back sooner rather than later. 
I know he's getting a lot of the targets. He's the number one definitive receiver on his team when he's back. But because the up-tempo of the Chargers gives so many more opportunities to their guys than the Falcons are running right now anyway, I like Keenan Allen more. I know he's going to get double-digit targets every single week. It's just be a matter of does he turn into 100 yards or a touchdown or anything like that. So I would go Keenan Allen the rest of season over Calvin Ridley, actually, frankly, uh, just for the safety of the floor. I think Calvin Ridley still has more upside once Matt Ryan starts to throw him, him the ball down the field a little bit more consistently. But the floor definitely has to go to Keenan Allen. And last question, M. Kareem Hunt or Damian Williams this week? I have Damian Williams at RB16, Kareem Hunt at RB20. I'll say this. If you're choosing between those two, that means you have good options. But I do have Damian Williams a little bit more just because, for obvious reasons, he's guaranteed more of the workload. And, you know, Kareem Hunt, you're kind of comparing pass-catching running backs here. So Damian Williams, I think he gets just as involved, if not more involved in the passing game than Kareem Hunt would this week. And you know he's going to get the lead dog in carries as well. So I do go Damian Williams here over Kareem Hunt for this week there. Um, all right, that's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Remember, we'll be back from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network tonight, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Then we will be back at 9 to 10 p.m. tonight for the MD's DFS contest and lock bets of the week. Make sure you're following us on social media at bellyupmdffshow and subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Download and subscribe to your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, Spreaker, everywhere. We're available everywhere for you guys. And make sure you're checking us out on uh, the Fox D Network. The Ro- i got to do a better job uh, getting them a shout-out, too. Fox D Network, the TV Roku Network, looking for big things to happen with them in the future as well. Check out our rankings. They're up to date right now. They'll be up to date throughout the weekend on BillionFantasySports.com. And make sure you have that so you have the edge setting your lineups against your opponents this upcoming week. We'll talk to you guys real soon. Everyone take it easy. Good luck this week, and have a great weekend. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale. Order fulfilled and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Ah, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors.